Restoration Church, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, and relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by lead pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. We hope you are encouraged by this morning's message. I do this morning. Amen. Amen. I'm blessed this morning. I can't say anything anything more. I'm truly blessed. I woke up this morning. I had breath in my lungs, so I'm blessed. Amen. Um, well, I had a word planned all week this week. Um, Tuesday night, I, went, I finally got to go see my little niece. Y'all, she's beautiful, the cutest little baby ever. She has got me wrapped around her little finger. I told her mom and daddy that I won't let that kid get away with everything when she gets old. And they won't ever know about it. Amen. You know, it's, it's such a blessing. You know, I, it, it just made it was making me think. I didn't know that I could love somebody that much, love somebody that deeply that much. You know, you know what? When you have a kid or a niece or a nephew or a grandbaby, you know, you all know you, you never thought that you could think, man, I would do anything for, for somebody like that. For her, you know, I, I just sat there just enamored by her, thinking she was the cutest baby I've ever seen, and there ain't no baby that's ever been cuter, you know what I'm saying? I mean, man, it's just it's just awesome. The gift of life is such an incredible thing, you know. Having having a little baby like that is it's just amazing. I was just blown away, you know. You see it in movies and read about it in books, or whatever, but you don't really know until it's you, you know. I mean, I just. It just, it just blew me away. It's incredible. When uh, Boyd sent that first picture of her when she was first born, I was like, wow. I mean, just wow. You know, it's just crazy to me. But anyway, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail here. I'm just, I'm, pr- I'm proud that I got a little niece, you know. I think that's just the coolest thing ever, you know. And I'm fixing to be celebrating 20, 21 years of life here tomorrow. That's pretty great, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, 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 I was joking around with asking this. Children's Church. Oh yeah, uh, if Children's, I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting all off the bus. But Children's Church, if you guys want to go ahead and be dismissed, you can. Uh, I'm sorry, how did that direct me this morning? This is my first time really preaching on a, on a Sunday, so I'm kind of having to learn as I go. So. Uh, anyway, last night, oh, I got back from a camping trip. I've been going down back home to Butler, Alabama to work VBS in Gilbert Town, Hurricane Baptist, the church that I got to when I'm back home. And we've gone to VBS there since I was three years old. And uh, I've, I've been working it for the last couple of years since I finished high school. And me and my cousin and a couple of my friends down there go camping during the week in Quitman, Mississippi, in Archusa. Well, we got down there, and my cousin Zach told me, okay, so I got us an RV. He went and bought an RV last week and said, so the refrigerator doesn't work, and we don't have hot water, and the shower houses are disgusting, so I had to take a cold shower the other night for the first time in forever. <sighs> I got it back off. But anyway, um, uh, I got home Saturday afternoon, and uh, sat down to write down, to finally write down my notes. I've had this sermon ready for about a month. God, and uh, the Lord spoke to me as I was praying and said, there's a few things I want you to change up. I'm like, I was ready. Mm-hmm. I had this ready. I, I thought I had it all good. He's like, no, there's, is there, I want you to preach on something different. So this is kind of a, really, a, I told David before I started, a mishmash of 
uh, two different sermons this morning, really. Um, if I were to give this uh, sermon a title this morning, it would really uh, be uh, hypocrisy in the church. And why did we sin? You know, we all know that the first people to sin on earth were Adam and Eve. And it's been the lifelong debate of whose fault it was that we have a sinful world. Was it Eve or Adam's fault? And, uh, you know, when we were kids, we used to say, you know, girls are better, boys are better. Well, they both, they both did it. So, you know, it's kind of a worthless debate to even think about it. You know, they both made, they both made it. So Adam and Eve started the sin in our world. And when they had ch children, it passed on to them. You know, as soon as, as, soon as uh, Eve took a bite of the fruit, um, sin became a part of our world. The perfect world that God created for us, heaven, earth, was gone. That was it. It was just, it, it had been, well, not heaven. Earth had been contaminated by sin and forever to be until Jesus came, came back. So um, Adam and Eve were the basis of it. And then human nature, without redemption, without the redemption of Jesus, is sin. Human nature is selfish. Human nature is flawed. No matter what we do, without Jesus, we are sinful people. Yeah. And we can't change that because that's that's who we are. That's mm -hmm. the result of our sin and our mistakes. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it a lot like this. When I was a kid, I always expected to get what I wanted for Christmas. Because I knew Santa Claus didn't need money. He just made it. Yeah. He just made the toys and brought it to us, you know. And uh, I didn't realize that Christmas costs money. Yeah. Things cost money. And I was like, well, mom and daddy are always going to give you what I want for Christmas. Well, luckily they did. So, you know, I'm very, I'm very blessed that mom and dad were able to, you, nine times out of ten, always gave me what I wanted for Christmas. But I didn't think, you know, they have to work really hard to give us that. Yeah. I always thought, well, I want this. I need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. And as humans, we're all up like that. We think of God as kind of like a... A vending machine of sorts, you know. Mm -hmm. God, I need this. I need this. I need yeah. this. I need you to give me this now. Mm -hmm. So, why should we expect to get everything we want from a God who gave us mercy that we didn't deserve? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, I always it's like I said. I always expected to get what I wanted. Right. But if I didn't, I'm not gonna lie. I probably wouldn't get fit. And. I was thinking about that yesterday as I was writing this down. I said, man, human nature is so selfish. Yeah. We want so badly to go everything to everything to go perfectly the way it's supposed to. Yeah. But that's not always the plan that God has lined out for us. Right. You know, sometimes things have to go wrong in order for us to get stronger. Yeah. You know, we try so hard to do everything um, the way we want to do it, the yeah. way we the way that we think is right. You know, God, I got this. I can do this. Yeah. No, you know, trust me, I tried. It doesn't work. Right. Um, anyway, I'm going to get on to my uh, scripture real quick. Let me see here. Um, I don't know if you got it or not, Marie. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 15, uh, chapter 7, verse 15 through 20 says in the uh, ESV version, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that good, nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not 
do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I want to do, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reading I was reading this verse yesterday, and it's fascinating to think that even after we receive the redemption of Jesus Christ, when we accept Jesus into our lives, we still sin because we're still imperfect people living on living in an imperfect world. Yeah. Now, if you ask the two, if, if he was here, he would tell you. If you ask the last two guys I worked for, Bobby Kaziah and Cody Griffin, they'll tell you that I get frustrated sometimes when I'm working. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the week of, this was oh, this crazy, it was almost a year ago now, I was working with Cody Griffin at uh, their fabrication shop, and we were doing steel-loaded beams that weighed about a 1,000 pounds apiece. I lost count of how many fights that me, Joe, and Cody got into that week. It was, it was pretty rough there for a couple days. And Cody told me after we got through that he fired me about 20 times in his head that week. <laughs> and uh, we still laugh about that a lot, you know. But even my point, my point to make here is even after we uh, accept Jesus into our hearts, into our lives, we still make mistakes sometimes. We still sin. We have the redemption of Jesus Christ. His blood has covered us, but we're still going to make mistakes. Yeah. And you know what? That's okay. Because we have we have our Lord and Savior who has covered those sins in his blood as long as we will re- repent of them. Amen? Yeah. You know, um, I was thinking I was thinking about this the other day. Me and Ashley were having a conversation one day. It's um, baffling how much we sin every single day. How much we do this stuff that is awful in the eyes of God every single day, even when we serve Him. Yeah. Yet He still forgave us. Yeah. Yeah. Is that not amazing? I don't know about y'all, but I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. When I first met Jesus, I was in a dark place. Yeah. When I gave my when I gave my life back to Jesus when I was eighteen years old, I was in a dark, dark place. Yeah. I was depressed, constantly anxious, constantly feeling like. I was I wasn't good enough. I um I had no self worth. I didn't think I was worth anything. I didn't want to live my life anymore. Yeah. But God yeah. found me one day in a, in a pew one Sunday, and I said, God, I can't do this on my own anymore. Yeah. I'm gonna die if I don't have you. Mm. I need you to save me this morning. Mm. I need you. To come and find me here because I can't do this on my own. Yeah. And praise God, He changed me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to move on. Um, we hate what makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. We say this again. We hate what makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. Ministry is uncomfortable. As I was getting my sermon ready last night, I was thinking, man, how does dad do this every week? Like, this is kind of, uh, this is pretty this is pretty hard work. I'm thinking, I could just, I, uh, the whole week, I had, I've had this sermon ready for about a month, like I said earlier. And um, I was sitting there, man, I got this. So I went to write it all down. I'm sitting there praying, and God's saying, I need you to change this. I need you to... Um, I need you to change this up a little bit. I want you to preach on something different the day before. Yeah. And I've heard Dad talk about it, yeah. but I didn't really know how I felt until I did it too. So I'm sitting there like, I had this ready. 
Yeah, it's crushed me to go. I thought, yeah. I thought I wouldn't have to change this up for the last minute. It made me uncomfortable. Right. Telling people about Jesus is uncomfortable. Yeah. Y'all, I live in a house in Livingston with eight other guys, fraternity guys. And um, most of, a couple, most, about half of them have a relationship with Jesus and some of them don't. And that's just the basis of living out in the world. Not everybody's going to live the way we live, unfortunately. Right. But um, when I joined, I thought, okay, I'm going to do everything in my power to show these guys my, uh, to show these guys my heart, to show them Jesus. Yeah. Because my goal is by the time I leave is to make sure that everyone at least knows that, Je- that the love of Jesus can do amazing things. Right. Now, I was having a conversation with one of my brothers the other day who just graduated. He's one of my closest friends, and I think the world of him. He's the reason I'm in Delta Town. Mm-hmm. And he told me, um, he says, you know, I've really been struggling lately, and I was wondering if you could send me some Bible verses to help encourage me. Wow. Uh, this was actually right before finals. He said, I need some, I, need, I really need some encouragement right now because I'm struggling with some of these finals, and I want to be able to graduate come May. Yeah. I said, okay, I got you. So I, so I went and prayed and said, God, Help me to be the best example I can be to my brother right now. So I went and found some verses and sent it to him. And he texted me back and said, thank you so much. You don't know how much this means to me. Right. About a week or so later, he came up to me and hugged me and said, thank you so much for showing me the love of Jesus. Wow. Wow. And that was the minute I knew that I was there for a reason in Livingston, Alabama. Yeah. To show people the love of Jesus that I know. Right. You know, I felt like I was finally making a difference. Mm-hmm. I was finally getting it right, mm-hmm. you know. And then uh, a couple weeks before that, one of my brothers and I, we were working a uh, car wash to make money to pay off our dues. Mm-hmm. And they, my two guys that were in my AM class with me, they said, uh, so you're a Christian, right? I said, yeah, yeah, I am. He said, so uh, what do you guys believe? You know, like they start asking me, you know, is this a sin? Is this not a sin? Um, is this okay to do? Is this not okay to do? And um, about a week later, one, another one of them came up to me. And he said, um, "He says I'm really trying to get my life right with the Lord. I've been running from Him a long time, and um, I was wondering if you could pray for me wow. and uh, help help me kind of, you know, learn my way around what the Bible means and what it says." I said, "Man, absolutely. Anytime yeah. you need me, call me, and I'm here for you." Wow. And um, about a week or two ago. I was sitting here in youth class, and Bree told me, "You were put here for a reason. Don't feel like you're not you're not accomplishing what you're supposed to accomplish. God put you there for a reason to show those guys that the love of Jesus. And it really encouraged me, knowing that I felt I could find, I finally had security and knowing that I was doing the right thing. You know, God has uh, puts us in uncomfortable places." To show people Jesus sometimes. Yeah. You know, um, I find it fascinating uh, when Jesus was doing these ministry, who was he constantly hanging out with? Yeah. The losers. Mm-hmm. The, the people that uh, most of the high ups didn't want anything to do with the Pharisees, constantly cursing them and everything else, telling them they need to change and they were sinners and uh, they weren't living right and um, stuff like that. Yeah. If we're constantly walking around with this sense of you know, I'm better than everyone else. You are not showing people the love of Jesus. Right, right. 
I'm gonna go hide right here real quick. I'm gonna do like that. I'm gonna hide behind my, my thing real quick. Um, um, but why? But what, what? Why else are we here but to show people Jesus? Yeah. Dad said it best. He said he said this several times. I don't know exactly what I'm talking about. Pray, uh, show people the gospel and sometimes use words. Yeah. If we're not living like Jesus, how are we supposed to be an example to the people that we minister to and we're around every single day? Right. Right. Y'all, I go to a college of around five thousand people. If I'm not living like Jesus, how are they supposed to know I'm a servant of Jesus? Right. Yeah. We've got to show them Jesus, mm-hmm. not tell, not say, not say, not speak it with our mouths and not live it. Amen. Right. Well, and I'm preaching myself this morning. I'm yeah. guilty of not always, of not always showing what I'm speaking. Right. And I've had to repent of that a lot. Yeah. Because I'm worried about what people will think of me. Well, who cares what people think of me on this earth? It's what Jesus thinks about thinks about me in heaven when I get there. We're so caught up in what the world thinks about us, but we should be worried about what Jesus thinks about what we're doing while we're here. Yeah, yeah, good. Most of us are going to live about a sixty, anywhere from sixty to about ninety year life lifespan. It just you know, depending whatever. I was reading some statistics yesterday. The average. Lifespan of a man in the United States is, I think, it's seventy-three. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, that's seventy-three years. We have the opportunity to minister to people. Right. We've got a short amount of time here on earth to do God's work before we go to heaven. Right. And I want as many treasures as I can gathered up in my mansion when I get there. Right. Yeah. I want to do as much as I can here before I go on to see to be with the Lord. Amen. Yes. So. Why are we standing around, sitting up on our high horses, thinking we're better than everybody else when there are people that are hurting out on these streets that need to know the love of Jesus, who are depressed, who are anxious, who are hurting, who have been hurt by people in the church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all don't know how many stories I've heard of people from my school, people's parents, who were hurt in the church and never came back. Yo, yo, yo. It's sad, y'all. We have failed. The church has failed yeah. these people because one, because they. But it's not entirely their fault. Let me let me explain real quick. Y'all, y'all go with me here for a second. I've heard countless stories of people leaving the church because people hurt them because instead of putting all of their faith and uh, admiration on Jesus, they put it in that person. Right. We have to be careful to not. Put all of our faith and worship the person giving the word, but the person who gave us yeah. the word to right. say. Right. Sometimes we put too much faith in the people that are up in the pulpit and singing in the worship band in the mornings and think so highly of them. And then when they mess up, yeah. we're like, what? Right. I thought that they could do no wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It breaks my heart. But I meet people every day who have come through door, the doors of a church and people have dogged them, telling them, you're not living right. You're not doing this right. You need to change. Yeah. You need to do better. Right. We're all imperfect people, church. We all make mistakes. So why are we telling somebody how we live? How, okay, let me put it this way. How are we, tell, how are we uh, telling somebody about the speck in their eye when we got a log in ours? Right. Yeah. 
We have failed as a church to show people what the real love of Jesus is like when we are constantly telling somebody how they should live instead of showing them the love of Jesus. Right. Yeah. One of the greatest men of God I've ever known, John Brown, built his church on broken people. Mm -hmm. At Storehouse Worship Center in Butler when he was pastoring there. He built that church off broken people. Yeah. I had people serving in church who were messed up, broken, uh, drugs, drinking, whatever. If we don't, if we don't go out and call them in, what are we doing? Okay, let me say it like this: What are we doing sitting here in these four walls? Well, there's people out there. We need to go out and bring them in. Yeah, yeah. The Bible says we should compel them to come in. And we're sitting here in our four walls thinking, man, uh, we got it made. Why won't, they, why won't they come in? Because we're not out there compelling them to come in. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. we got to stop expecting so much from people who don't know. Right. If we don't show them, how will they know? Yeah. We don't worship the pastors and ministerial leaders. They're just like us with the same faults. I've also learned that as the times change, we have to change the way we do ministry. Yeah. I'm not saying that we change what's in the Word of God. What's in the Word of God will never change. It should never try to be changed by human hands, ever. Mm. That Word does not change. Yeah. But the way that we reach people changes with the times that we're in. You're not always going to reach people the same way that you reached them in the 80s like you do now. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard so many people say, you know, older ministers, uh, people that have been in the church for a long time, church just isn't the way it used to be. Well, praise God, it's not. Right. Because we, like, we made a lot of mistakes back in the day. Yeah. How are we supposed to tell people to live like Jesus and go out on the club the night before we came into church hungover? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Right. How are we supposed to tell people how to live like Jesus and to not do uh, and to not uh, live in sexual immorality when we ourselves are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not telling. I'm not. Look, y'all don't y'all don't get me wrong here. I am not perfect, and I'm not trying to make it seem like I am perfect because I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, and I've had to repent of them. But we have got to stop expecting people to change when we ourselves will not. Yeah. Yeah. How are we supposed to expect people to live like Jesus when we're not setting the example? Yeah. It's time for us to stand up, <clears throat> put our big kid drawers on, yep. and show people what it's like to live like Jesus, right. or else we have failed as a church. Yeah. Yeah. To not hate on them, to make them feel like not to make them feel like they're less than us. Because they're broken and hurting and full of sin. Yeah. But show them, hey, if you ever need me, if you ever want to learn more about this, you just talk to me and I got you. Yeah. I'm praying for you every day. I pray for my brothers every single day because I want all of them to know Jesus. My heart breaks for the people in my family, outside of my family, that I know that need Jesus. Right. People in my family, people in Ashton's family, that I know that don't know Jesus, that need him, and I do my best every day to show them the love of Jesus. Yeah.
people in my friend's family. We all have people that we care about, people that we're around every day, whether it be friends, family, whatever, that don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we've got to show, and if we don't show him his love, then we know where they're headed. Yeah. And that'll be on our conscience. We've got to do better, church. I'm going to go to my next scripture. Here's Matthew 23, verse 27. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. So you want to pull that up for me very much. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You were like whitewashed tombs, which are outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. The Pharisees are a lot like the people I've been talking about here today. The Pharisees are constantly telling these people, you need to change, you know, wearing scripture on their clothes and all that. And inside, they're full of religion and laws and rules and not a relationship with God himself. They're not, they're not uh, showing people the love of Jesus. They're walking past poor people and uh, not helping people who are broken and hurting because of their pride. And Jesus called him out for it. He went on the rest of this chapter, and I and I would read more of it. But uh, he said, "So you are oh, so you also I need to do this for you. Sorry, I'm just going to go ahead and read this. This is what I feel led to do. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." Jesus didn't come to end the law; he came to fulfill the law. Yeah, yeah. He's not saying that we shouldn't follow the rules of the law. He's saying that you're not always gonna, you're not always gonna um, I'll get my words here in a minute. You're not always gonna do we're, he knows that we're not always going to do the right thing. Yeah. But sometimes we're gonna mess up. Right. Paul talked about it in Acts. He said, I have a thorn in my side that has constantly had me, and I have asked God to release me from it, and he won't. Right. Sometimes God puts obstacles in our lives to um, help us to grow and to rely on him more. Because after a while, we want to kind of do our own thing. We want to kind of um, live the way we want to live and then do our thing on Sunday and Wednesday and then go back to doing what we want, thinking that we can uh, handle life ourselves. And then when the going gets tough and we realize we need God, then that's just kind of sitting there with, like, I told you. Yeah. I was here the whole time. All you had to do was ask. Right. All you had to do was do what I say. Right. Now, I struggled for years with my calling for ministry. Mm. I know since I was 13 years old, I was called to preach, and it scared me. Mm. Because I've seen what people have gone through in the ministry, and it terrified me because I didn't want to have to go through that. And I fought it for years and years and years, thinking that I can, thinking that, you know, I'll do it in a couple of years from now. I'll do, I'll do it in a couple of years from now. I'm just going to, you know, do my thing right now. We'll worry about it later. Yeah. And then stuff just kind of kept building and building and building and building on me. And I was hurting. Too prideful to ask God to help me. Mm. Thinking, I can handle this. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost funny. Mm. You know? I thought that I could handle the pressures of this world and the stuff that Satan was throwing at me every day without the help of the one who gave me the tools to fight it off. 
I'm going to tell you something real quick, folks. This right here is the most powerful weapon you could ever have. Right. Know this. Yeah. Learn this. Keep it in your heart. Yeah. Because you'll never be stronger than when you know the Word of God. Right. Friday night at camp meeting, we dad and Brian and David went to camp meeting. And, um, oh my goodness, what, what, was the, what was the guy's name who preached Friday night? Uh, Dr. Mark Williams. Mark Williams, he pastors, he pastors the church up in uh, uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, close to the uh, Church of God headquarters. He was our, uh, he was overseer for years and years. And uh, I, talk, I was talking to Dad after church, and I said, the guy was just sitting there spouting out scripture. He looked at his Bible once. Yeah. He was just, he was just firing it off, scripture after scripture after scripture. I'm pretty sure he read a whole chapter off the top of his head one time. Yeah, and it just amazed me. Yeah. I thought to have the knowledge of the word like that. Mm-hmm. To know the word so well. Oh. That when sin rushes in like a flood, we can fight it off with the words of this book without even having to open it. Yeah. 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 That's why the that's why the words that's why the Bible says to hide it in our hearts. Right. It's a powerful weapon, more powerful than we could ever imagine, because it was a God-breathed, God-inspired. Right. It's time for us to use it. Right. It's time for us to fight back with it. Right. It's time for the church to stop acting like we're better than everybody else. Right. I had one of my brothers tell me a story one day. He said I was in church. I used to be in church. And um, I had someone sit there and dog me and had me tell me, you're doing all this wrong. You're, you're, not, you're not doing this right and everything else. Mm. And uh, condemning it. Yeah. Telling him you're going to hell and all this, that, and everything else. Now, y'all, y'all don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you nothing real because it is. Yeah. And it's hot. Yeah. Just like this sanctuary right now. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But why, why do we sit around thinking that we're so great and we're so awesome because we have Jesus when there's people who need to hear it? Yeah. You know, it's an awesome thing to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling y'all it's fine. I don't want y'all to think that you didn't do a great thing except in Jesus because you did. Yeah. It'll, forever, it'll forever change your life and beyond it. Yeah. Amen? But... If we're not showing people that, if we're not going out there and living it every day, then what's the point? Mm. Right. Do we really know him? Right. Right. Do we really know Jesus if we're not showing the people around us who don't know him that every single day? Yeah. If we're not living it. With every move we make, showing showing people the love of Jesus. Yeah. Then why do we even claim to know them? Mm. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to crunch any toes this morning, but sometimes we have to. Yep. It's time for us to get up out of our pews and chairs and whatever else the church, uh, the church is in, and get out and show people the love of Jesus outside the walls Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because if we don't, then this world will die. Yeah. 
We're going to send a lot of people to hell if we don't. Right. And it breaks my heart every day that there are people around me that need to know that need to know Jesus, and we're just standing idly by. I'm preaching myself this morning. I do it every day because I'm afraid. I don't want people to think badly of me or think that um. Oh, he's one of those Christians. He's one of those guys who thinks he's better than everybody else. I don't think I'm better than anybody else by any means whatsoever. Yeah. Because I'm far from perfect, y'all. Right. I have the same, I have struggles. I have things that I've done wrong in my past that I'm not proud of. Mm. When I was a teenager, I struggled with pornography for years. Mm. Almost, five, almost five years. And praise the Lord, he uh, He redeemed me from that and, and broke me out of that stronghold yeah. because it was a burden on my life for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But there are people just like I was who had strongholds in their lives that need to be broken. And all they need is someone to just say, hey, I'm here. I love you. I'm praying for you. Yeah. If you right. ever need me, I'm right here. It's yeah. something as simple as that, y'all. And right. change the course of somebody's life right. and for eternity. Right. If we will simply just say the words, Jesus loves you. Yeah. I'm here for you. I love you. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes, y'all. Yeah. It's just a short little conversation that will change somebody's uh, trajectory for eternity. Yeah. And it's as simple as that. Right. Yeah. It's as simple as that. We don't have to preach these long, hard sermons and uh, hours and hours and yell at people and tell them that they're doing wrong, this, that, and the other, and hell's hot. I mean, it is, don't get me wrong. But, um, sometimes all it takes is just a, just a short conversation with somebody to change their life. Yeah. Yeah. So don't think that you're not significant enough to make a difference for the kingdom, because yeah. you are. Yeah. God has called every single one of you to a form of ministry. Yeah. Don't ever think you're not enough. I did for a long time. I thought that I wasn't good enough to sit up here and stand in this pulpit. One Sunday, I'll never forget it, I was sitting in that pew crying because I thought that I was not even worthy to be inside the walls of this church. Mm. Why am I here? Mm. All the stuff I've done wrong in my life, how could God ever forgive me? Mm. Make no mistake, church, you have never, ever gone too far for Jesus to save you. Yeah. There is no link he will not travel. There is no place he will not go to. There's a Danny Gokey song. It was one of my favorite songs to listen to when I was going through my harshest battle with my depression. They always say you're somewhere on a mountaintop but never think behind bars. Y'all, Paul was killing Christians on the daily. He was a murderer of thousands upon thousands of God's people. And the next day, he was preaching the gospel to thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. If you don't think God can change you just like that, he can. Yeah. Yeah. He did it to me. Yeah. So don't ever think that you're not enough. Yeah. Don't ever think that you can't do it. Well, I'm not, I'm not Moses. I'm not King David. I'm not Paul. You realize all these guys have like major fallouts, oh, major yeah. issues, and God still used them anyway. Yeah. David, my favorite character in the Bible, slept with another man's wife, got her pregnant, and then had him killed. 
Yeah. And, and the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. Right. I don't know about y'all, but that's pretty, uh, but what David did was pretty bad. Yet yeah. God forgave him. Were there consequences for his sin? Yeah. Yeah. But David still went on to do amazing things. And his bloodline led to Jesus. Mm. Abram was, a, was an idol maker. He built idols for people to worship. Yeah. And God told him that his descendants would be as vast as the sand of the sea. Yeah. Right. He started the journey to the land of God's people, to Israel. Mm. And eventually, his descendants made it to the promised land after a long time and a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Now, think about Moses. <clears throat> Moses was an Egyptian prince, mm. basically. Yeah. God and, uh, he went out and killed a man, mm. killed an Egyptian, and ran off into the wilderness so that he wouldn't be tried for it. And God told him to go free his people from, Egypt, from the Egyptians. Yeah. I think about Peter. I'm going to give a quick plug real quick. If y'all haven't watched this, this series, The Chosen, it's absolutely fantastic. Great show. Uh, it's about Jesus and his disciples and his ministry. Peter was a vulgar mouth fisherman. And Peter preached. Peter later on, later on went to preach and thousands come to know the Lord. Mm. These guys all had major faults and issues. Mm. Everybody that Jesus ever Recruited any time that God ever called somebody, they all had major issues and faults, and God still used them. Yeah. So don't ever think just because of your mistakes and the things that you did wrong in your past that you can't serve God wholeheartedly. Right. Hmm. So it's time for us to stand up. And show people the love of Jesus. There is no time like now yeah. because the end is coming. Yeah. Jesus is coming back soon, though. I don't know how, how else to tell you. He's coming. Yeah. And we're running out of time. Yeah. It's time for us to get out the walls of these walls of this church and show people the love of Jesus, or else we will fail. Right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for everything you've given us. Lord, thank you for giving me the opportunity to come up on this stage and proclaim your word. God, I'm your humble servant. I'm nothing more. And I pray and I thank you for giving me the opportunity to give your word in a way that is pleasing and honoring to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day. Thank you for tuning into this morning's message. If you were encouraged by this message and want to stay connected with the Restoration fam, check us out at restorationmacala.com. For more messages like this, you can find us on Spotify and Facebook.